Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Hey everyone, uh, it's Andy here. I'm actually from uh, Evertrek Towers right now. Um, we have a little bit of an office refurb, so I, I came in today. Got this wonderful backdrop, which is actually Namche. Namche Bazaar, if you're not familiar, is on the Everest Base Camp Trek. Um, yeah, Dave, big one today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say my drop, my backdrop is um, that's a solid <laughs> wall um, with, a, with a high matte white paint. Um, <laughs> very good, Dave, very good. Uh, won't be long, mate. You'll be back in here, I'm sure. I know we're, yeah, we've got yeah. a... Um, We've got we've, we're in the middle in Wales. Uh, obviously, most of you probably know uh, we've got a little lockdown, but um, uh, we're having an office refurb, so I was here. So I thought, what the heck, let's do a little live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nice to see so many people on. Ramona, Amanda, Tina, Sinead, Paul, Chris, Jill, Tamron, Miko, as always, Pablo. Great guys, great to see you uh, join us today. Oh, Pablo's back. Yeah, Pablo, you haven't been on in a while. I know where you've been, Pablo. <laughs> he's been. I think he's been. Um, Obviously, back uh, back in school. So yeah, nice to see you. Great uh, back, yeah. mate. I know uh, middle of the day isn't isn't as great for everyone, um, uh, but you know we, we hope that uh, you've caught some of the some of the replays. Yeah. Um, and hello, Catherine, and Mark, and Hillary. Uh, yeah, great to great to see so many people as always. And David Clift. Um, yeah, this backdrop, mate, is going to be very very visible when you actually go there uh, very very soon. Hopefully, yeah. very very soon. Uh, right, Dave. Um, today, mate. Trekking at altitude, is it dangerous or not? Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's probably one. Loaded question. Yeah, yeah, loaded, yeah. It's one that um, we've talked about quite a, few, um, a bit yeah. before, but it's always good to go back over it because it's a question that, you know, sh you know shows itself fairly regularly. You know, people say, you know, how dangerous is it? Um, what's likely to go wrong? Those types of worries and things like that that people have, but they might not, they either want to ask, but don't really want to know, <laughs> but, you know, but... Yeah. We're here really just to offer you some insights into what it's actually like to trek in an altitude, you know, what types of, you know, bumps in the road you might uh, come up against and things you can do to avoid them and stuff like that. Um, you know, ultimately, we all want to go there and have an awesome time and be as safe as we can. Uh, but we want to be real about the certain things that, you know, can happen to you and to your body and things like when when you're at altitude and stuff like that. Poor Misha, don't scare me too much. <laughs> I'm just looking at the high altitude set. Those guys are awesome, man. They they are yeah. brilliant. And um, we mentioned yeah. Sam the other day. He's um he's looking forward to welcoming people because obviously they're, you know, in, in in middle of London. They got a place up in Manchester, but it's it's been a bit challenging for them as a as a gym. Um, you know, there it is. It's challenging for everyone, but you know, there's certain industries obviously that have to close. Yeah. Uh, you know, we wish Sam and his team uh, all the best. Hopefully, we've actually been chatting with them that we're actually um, keen to do a live at the Altitude Centre, and me and Dave will be actually doing the tests um, just to see how we'll perform at Altitude, which will be interesting, actually, to see how we perform. Right, Dave? Yeah, it's interesting because we're technically going to be doing it the other way around, you know. So more, most people who go there will be, you know, they'd have booked onto a trip. They perhaps wouldn't have been to Altitude before, um, and they're going there to sort of figure out, you know, how they, how they react to it and things they can do to improve their reaction to it. Um, where we've gone to Altitude before, kind of have an idea of how I've reacted, although I've reacted differently on each time to a degree or another. Um, so it's be interesting to put some facts and figures to those sort of thoughts and feelings, you know, and put them together and get yeah. a really good idea about how well I acclimatize. I'm super excited about it. 
particularly, you know, I would like to know why, you know, I've done Everest multiple times, um, base camp that is, and not um, had any trouble whatsoever. And then on Killy, I had to take some Diamox in order just to, uh, you know, keep the engine firing on all cylinders. So yeah, it'd be, it's little questions like that that I'm really, really looking forward to know, but the live will be awesome. I mean, it won't be pretty. <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll, we've been, as soon as we're allowed to, we're hoping before the end of the year, we can do that. Um, you know, some of the regulars, uh, yeah, if you, if you definitely tune in for that one, I think it'd be quite funny <laughs> because, uh, as you, as you guys know, we're, um, you know, we're not athletes by any point, but, uh, but that's the point. That's what we always say, you know, that we believe anyone can do, do this kind of thing. Um, exactly. but right. Yeah. Let's, let's go deep into it because I know with people are saying, how dangerous is it? And, uh, and David, you kind of mentioned it a little bit there that, yeah, if you go into high altitude, it's it's not a holiday. Um, it is adventure travel. It has it is inherently dangerous because you go into, you know, the Himalayas. You go into place the Tanzania, South America, even Morocco. There there are parts to it that are dangerous, but we always like to call it, um, you know, was it uh, acceptable risk and unacceptable risk is kind of a measurement yeah. we use. Um, and I think that certainly when it comes to high altitude trekking it does come under that acceptable because it can be managed. Now, obviously things do happen. People can get unlucky, you know, but most of it is managed. Yeah. Um, it's well, Dave, I, I remember the first time we talked about it and we did it on a, on the Matt Malarkey podcast. Yeah. And we, and it mentioned, uh, I think you came up with a really good analogy was a copperhead and a corn snake. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back I've, got to, I've got to try and remember which one is more. But basically, they're two snakes that look exactly alike. Yeah. One of them is venomous and one of them isn't. Um, and it's about knowing the difference between the two. Now, the, 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 the analogy that I gave was, um, you know, by educating yourself, by, you know, yeah. maybe listening to us or, or, or speaking to the allergy center or stuff like that, gives you a base knowledge of what is acceptable and what's unacceptable. Yeah. And you will visually be able to know the difference, you know. So when you're walking um, to Everest Base Camp and stuff like that, if you're not aware of the differences between how you should react and how you shouldn't react at those times, you might ignore what would otherwise be something dangerous and assume it's not. Exactly like the two snakes, you know. If you know the difference and you can spot the subtle differences between the two, then you'll be able to know that's safe, that isn't. Yeah. Stay clear um, <laughs> exactly yeah and that's what it's like when you're trekking at altitude sorry if that's a bit muddled but yeah you know you're most people would have you know there was a first time you don't know how your body's going to react and when it does start reacting you need to be able to tell the difference between what's normal and expected and yeah. what's um perhaps a little bit more serious and needs to be managed um and by knowing the difference and educating yourself beforehand means you don't have any anxiety over it because when it happens you're like okay that's normal you know yeah. like like headache for instance when you go to altitude a headache is a symptom of altitude sickness it's also a symptom of just being in altitude so it's yeah. about knowing the difference you know and being able to understand that when you do have a headache i always say when you go in the pool you get wet when you go to altitude you're very likely to get a headache <laughs> you know it's completely normal and acceptable but when those things start to sort of impede what you've gone there to do. So if you can't get up in the morning, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not able to walk very far without having to stop, even though you're not exerting yourself, you just feel that depletion of energy, then, you know, we know the difference. The one's a normal headache and to be expected and one isn't. Um, yeah, exactly. You, you touched on a good point there as well about, about, about headaches, yeah, because it can be like, you know, holy crap, my head feels awful when, you, when you're when kind of getting up in the mornings. 
but it is it's a natural part of, of, of progression at altitude um you know a lot of you here i know there's a lot of you have, have trekked the high altitude already i can see you know a lot of people on here have already been to base camp some of yeah. you to camp, and you already know this feeling but for anyone who's on here and hasn't been to high altitude it is just about um you know almost letting your body acclimatize slowly um, and these are parts of the things that happen to everyone. Yeah. Um, but again, we, we go back to the dangers side. We, we feel that the amount of acceptable risk, or the amount of acceptable danger is, is no different to the things we do on a daily basis. Like I, I think something we talked about before, Dave, is that you drive on a road sometimes in wet conditions. We all do it. And I think we all do more than 70 miles an hour, some of us on, on the motorway. You know, um, you know that's probably more dangerous than, than this in a way um especially right now where there's a lot of dangers around um you know with good old covid and it, it does kind of bring us on to another thing which is we've obviously looked at ways to make our trips really safe from a covid point of view as well like especially next year where you know going to be running trips i can't wait to start running trips because this has been just a crazy year oh, um been nuts isn't it dave um but you know i mean this this is why you know we hope that this this we do a live i mean i think this is our 30 second one we've done now provides a little bit of sort of gap in between going on these trips because although we'd love to sit here every tuesday and, and chat with you guys we'd also know that you prefer to be out there on trips yeah. uh you know and that's that's our goal that's what we want to do but in the interim we're going to keep doing these because um we, we, we hope you still find them useful and i've always seen that the numbers are still growing i mean it's been great that we're, we're attracting loads of you back every tuesday um some of you i know you you put it in the diary but it's, it's fantastic guys and appreciate that yeah exactly i mean that's the one thing we um you know we like to do and why we talk about things like we talk about the dangers of going to high altitude is because we're not just in the business of sort of showing you the big shiny front selling it to you and sending you off you know we love the idea that you guys are a community i mean i exactly. i know how i speak to half of you here every tuesday more than i do like anyone else in my life so being able to talk about things, you know, and, and being open and upfront about what you guys are going to be going into and being, yeah. you know, going to say Everest Base Camp is adventure travel. It's not a holiday, you know, so you're not going to go there and feel great all the time. Sometimes you might feel crap, um, but you go in there to achieve something that, you know, is going to stay with you forever. And it, it it's exactly. a strange thing that almost everyone that I speak to, and I'm sure many of you guys on here now will confirm it. That when you go there to Nepal and you go to Everest Base Camp, the whole trip becomes so much more than Everest Base Camp. Day by day, you go into Base Camp and that's your goal. You want to reach Everest Base Camp. But actually, when you're on the plane on the way home and you're kind of reflecting on it, especially once you've got home, you look back on like all the guides you've met, the porters, the people in the mountains, even the hard bits and the struggle and stuff like that. And that feeling you got that you know a little bit more about yourself because you know, you know that you can go up against adversity and, and 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 come through and be better for it. But also the people, the suffering, the land, all of that stuff, it just makes a, a huge difference, I think. In You know, it, it's changed my life, certainly. Yeah, Dave, I know that when you were saying that then, mate, I mean, uh, you know, sort of um, hairs on the back of my neck there, mate. <laughs> I'm thinking, crap, we're missing the mountains, aren't we? <laughs> I know a lot yeah. of you are. But uh, well, yeah. we, we can't wait to do it and, and but, get back. But, you know, know, honestly, one of the things that we said about, you know, talking about the dangers of high altitude and we'll, we'll, we'll bring it relevant was one of the reasons yeah. why, you know, we encouraged everybody to change from this season and go in the next coming, yeah. you know, 2021 was because 
there is an unacceptable risk about going to Everest Base Camp or any of the trip at the moment, and that's yeah, COVID. Now, there is acceptable risk with COVID, you know, like we all have to kind of learn to live with it in a way and go about our lives. Very funny, actually, yeah. Sorry, Dave, oh yeah, I was going to say, and yeah, you're sticking around today, right? You? <laughs> crossed, yeah. There's no power cuts today, guys. Yeah, if you were all on last week, um, and, and I hadn't spoke to you in the interim, yeah, we had a bit of a power cut, which is why I suddenly made the um, uh, a really quick dash. But Dave, I thought you did well on your own, mate. You did well. Yeah, yeah. Well, normally when I'm on my own, I like to do a little bit more preparation, you know, than <laughs> you know, just like that. But um, I say preparation, you know, it's not like we spend writing hours. No, but yeah, so at the moment, oh, yeah, yeah. we, you know, Kathmandu, maybe 1,400 confirmed cases a day in Kathmandu is the information that we're getting from Anuj over there. Um, and also one thing we didn't want to do was contribute to the spread of that further into Nepal and the Kumbu and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, sadly, that's happened. So some people have gone ahead with their trips um, with the best of intentions, I'm sure. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that movement from Kathmandu where it's it's quite prevalent and they uh, diagnosed a case of COVID in Namshi so as it stands I think they stopped all flights um, I think one commercial flight landed um, yeah. in Lula, but I think that's it um, and really they just now haven't they yeah yeah and well, I, I think really they reopened them and then stopped them again I'm like Make your mind up, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, that's just an example of like an acceptable risk. You know, we don't want to send you exactly. high altitude with even the slightest risk of a, a, a respiratory illness taking hold. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that uh, that's that's an example of like, you know, why we why we don't want to be involved in that right now. Um, and we'll go back out there hopefully in March. I think all the, at the moment, you know, everything's looking good for March, I think, you know. Um, I think by then it'll be a full year. Yeah, in February. I mean, because we got a few well, people February, who are yeah. in February. Yeah, um, you know, because it the seasons. Although February is, I mean, I've, I've been to Everest Base Camp in February. It is bloody cold, but if you like the cold, it's it's cracking. I mean, so it's always March to be honest. But um, with, with the way the seasons have been changing a little bit over the last few years, we started to run a few trips in in February. Um, you know, and it's it's really good time to go. Actually, it's quite quiet. Um, yeah. yeah, so all going well. Um, February is where we're going to be um, <laughs> going to be going to it. I mean, I've never thought about the pool here. I know a lot of you have booked into Killy and other places, but um, what's yeah. that do? Uh, I just saw a funny comment there. Jishu says, "Hey guys, would you ever do the ultimate altitude trek? Why stop at base camp when you can go all the way up?" And then um, said it. It has a death zone. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what we are going to yeah. do? Um, at one point, um, yeah. you know, I definitely will be summiting. Um, that's sometime in the future. Luckily, I think, you know, when we do Everest Base Camp, Jerome, the only death zone that we ever encounter is maybe a toilet in Gorekshire. But, um, <laughs> you know, l l luckily that means we, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're relatively safe. But, um, yeah, Jishu, I mean, you, you, yeah, having some of Everest on your mind is certainly something that we, we share. Um, but apples yeah. and oranges, mate, apples and oranges, that's a whole other ball game. Um, well, it brings us on to a, a second point, doesn't it? We, we we talked about this before about because we do get questions, you know, is it dangerous? Because in the media, Everest is perceived as dangerous because mainly of, of the deaths that happen on Everest. Um, and again, it comes back to what you said before, Dave, about two completely different things. I think you used an analogy before of when you when you get in your car and you go to the shops. It's literally if base camp is where you drive to the car park. You don't even enter the building. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's a completely different ball game. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, just to continue there. Um, yeah, it's, it, when it comes to Everest, climbing Everest and going to Everest Base Camp are two completely different things. And that's why it's it's always it's always important to make that clear because we get a lot of questions around that. I know, again, I know a lot of you have been to Base Camp already, but to the people who haven't, um, you know, the dangers of going to Everest Base Camp are very different to dangers of climbing it. I know um, yeah. Dawa on here as well, who has summited Everest. Hey, Dawa, nice to see you on here, mate. Um, and, you know, he knows too well that obviously climbing Everest and, and the dangers that, that come with that. Yeah. Um, but right, Dave, yeah, I know we've, we've been talking a little bit already about the dangers of Everest. We have, we've got a lot of questions that come in. Um, and actually today he was on the phone, isn't Lauren, because she's off. But Ali, who was our newest Yeti, she sent us some questions, Dave. Have you got those questions? Uh, I do, mate. I do. So she's been sending them in here. And we have one, um, Scott from Brecon. Hey, Scott from Brecon. How's it going? Hey, Scott. Um, normally it's John from Brecon, isn't it? We've got a news. Over. We've got at least two listeners in yeah. Brecon or viewers. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Um, hope all well. Certainly is, my friend. Um, March for EBC. Just wondering what jabs are needed, if any. So, yeah, vaccinations for yeah. EBC. The first thing I'll recommend you do is head over to the Nomad um, Nomad Clinic, the Nomad Travel Clinic website. Um, you can yeah. put Nepal in the search bar and it will bring you up everything just so you've got a reference to visit back to. From the top of my head, you need all the basic ones. Um, so sort of, uh, what was it, typhoid? Um, that's, you know, the, the general the 10 year ones yeah. that you need. In the UK. Exactly, yeah. The only optional one, which we talk about a little bit, um, is rabies. Yeah. Um, so it is in Nepal, but it's not particularly prevalent so it's considered an optional one so we won't advise you one way or the other um but i think you know based on your comfort levels don't pet any animals anyway i struggle with it if i see a dog i've got to give him a ruffle but um but but i'm fully vaccinated <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i think 100 i mean obviously what we say here there is if you go on our knowledge center um and just if you a little search bar there if you do type in um, vaccinations or injections um, there is a, an article we wrote about it. It gives you sort of the rundown. But yeah, if you if you want for specifics, definitely have a little look. Oh, um, Nader Green in here says definitely typhoid. Didn't in India and got struck down with it. What's typhoid yeah. like? Uh, wow. I, yeah, Leila, tell me what typhoid's like. Write a little comment in there. It'd be very interesting. I bet it wasn't very nice, especially if it was in India. With uh, no, yeah, but I, I think it's like is that dirty water that you get it from typhoid. Yeah, I, I, know about, I know about typhoid Mary. Um, it was like a, someone had super spread it back in Victorian age, I think. Probably wrong on that, but yeah, I don't know actually what the what the symptoms and stuff are like. Um, but yeah, another question we got from Nigel. Um, okay, have you, got, have you got the questions, and Yeah, yeah, I'll just um, I'll jump on. Let's have a little look. Yeah, good old WhatsApp. Yeah, Ali's uh, dropping them in. Uh, what types of snacks do you recommend to take whilst trekking the base camp? Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's there's loads. Um, I, we always say that take something that you you love um you just always have that one bit of treat because if you're having a tough day and you need a bit of a pick-me-up you know if, if if a snickers bar gives you that lift have a snickers bar but you can get them over in nepal um you know in, in namche which is kind of the last sort of big village before you you're sort of into the the, the sort of subglacial region um you know when you when you're out of the trees and you're in the proper mountainous region there um yeah you, you're going to be getting you have an opportunity to buy some mars bars some snickers maybe even some coke um your know, bottles of coke 
Uh, yeah. Clarify that. And. <laughs> this is a new port, mate. But yeah, well, it's not South America because I don't think they do actually do that in South America, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, so if there's things that sort of can give you a bit of a yeah, pick me up, not coke, um, but if there's other things that you you can uh, that you want, then do take them. But yeah, nuts, sweets. You got Haribo's. You got Tangtastics. Beef jerky. Beef jerky, Dave. I know you love that, don't you? Well, yeah. Weirdly, I'm more. I'm trying to adopt a more vegetarian diet, but yeah. I, um, I, you know, I, I, I struggle to get all like the, I think the protein and stuff that I need. So it's just a high protein snack. Um, so yeah, I will eat meat when I need to. When it fuels performance, I'll definitely do that. Um, I did try the. There was like a vegan jerky, and um, I had one bite, and that got consigned to the bin, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> So yeah, J Jerome has said, um, in an emergency, does the team leader carry supply of Diamox and would I need to pay for this? Uh, yes and no. So yes, they do carry Diamox, um, our guides, uh, some of the best uh, in the world and they're completely trained. They're constantly going through training and refreshing their skills and stuff. Part yeah. of that is all about high altitude first aid and medicine. Um, so they will have a first aid kit um, with lots of different medications in there, some for your stomach, some for altitude, some for other types of aches, pains, um, and injuries. Um, and no, you do not have to pay for it at all. Um, a lot of people bring their own supply because they'll get it prescribed here. If you do yeah. that and you decide to take it, you need to let your uh, guide know and then let them kind of control the dose for you because th their experience um, is greater than, you know, perhaps any doctor that prescribes it here. And they'll know exactly the, the minimum dose you need to take in order to, you know, carry on and be normal. You don't want to take too yeah. much or too little. So use their experience. I know. Yeah, it's free. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, because I just going on to what someone else, I think it was Matthew, uh, Matthew Butcher said, uh, what a check you've entered competition. Awesome. Uh, well done, Matt. Uh, you have epilepsy. Would that be a risk? Um, any any sort of medical condition? We did. Um, I can't believe it was last week or week before we did one around how to manage um, medical conditions at high altitude. Um, so definitely check that out because there's got quite a few on there. But, yeah, with regards to epilepsy, um, as long as it's managed, you know, as long as you've got that managed, I, I wouldn't suggest any an increase in risk here. And, again, we go back to what we said earlier about uh, acceptable risk and unacceptable risk. You're, when you're altitude, you're, um, you know, you are just walking. It's not – you don't need any sort of technical skills at all. But in terms of just walking – that's that's all you do um you know it's not like if there's any triggers for your epilepsy um you know let us know and we can certainly have a chat about it um as long as any medical condition we can we can let our guides know and then they can they can obviously manage you on, on, on the trek itself uh, one thing i, I would say actually because I, I know diamox which we do use to treat um, altitude sickness um you know a lot of people do uh suppress the symptoms at least anyway i believe that actually came from Epilepsy, is that right, Dave? I've I, I heard that, yeah. Do you know what? It's one of those things now where I'm, it's so prevalent in for altitude. It's, its original use, I think, is a bit blurry, but I believe it was uh, used for glycoma and epilepsy. Yeah. Um, so those two things. So I would say that perhaps if you have epilepsy um, and you're going to be taking Diamox, or if you have any health condition, always check with a GP yeah. that there's no sort of uh, contradiction there with you know the medicine that you're going to be taking and uh, Diamox because you don't want to take too much of something perhaps that you're already taking. But Diamox, in my personal experience and in a lot of the expert information that I've received, is perfectly safe to use for the majority of people. There is something to do with people that are sensitive to like sulfur medication. 
Um, do you know what? I'm going to do some digging about this and maybe write about it because um, I need to. Every time I come up, I wish I knew more about it, but it's something to do with sulfur. So, and I believe that might have something to do with people who have heart conditions and things like that. But I, I think that's a rare occurrence. I've taken it personally myself um, for all of a Achilles trip. The only side effects I ever got from Diamox were um, you need to pee a lot more, so you need to drink a lot more. You will get up in the night about once or twice to go for a pee. And secondly, the most specifically located pins and needles I have ever had in my life. So like maybe yeah, one like a toe or something. Yeah, one toe in the middle, yeah. half a tongue. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, well answered, Dave. Uh, yeah, uh, Zoe's asked as well, Zoe McGrath. Hey, Zoe, great to see you on here, mate. Um, I know you you mentioned about you had to reschedule your trip. Uh, I think you were going previously this year, weren't you? Um, and you, you're sort of looking at booking flights. And yeah, I suppose that goes for anyone who's on the, who's looking at the spring next year. Um, you know, we always suggest that if you are booking, you know, I, I would certainly book them sooner if, if you're looking to go. I mean, at the moment, all trips are going ahead next year. As with anything during COVID chaos, because it has been a bit chaotic, isn't it? Is that we we have to be a little bit flexible. So what I would suggest if you are booking your flights is book directly with the airlines. The reason I say this is that I've heard a, a few difficult stories where people have booked through third parties and have got a cheaper flight and have found it really difficult to reschedule. Um, almost some of them have, have maybe lost out on those flight prices. Whereas if you book direct with the airline, I know some of the major ones just to throw off the bat is Qatar Airlines, Turkish Airlines. They've been really fair during COVID, which is great. Um, you know, we use, I use Qatar a lot. Yeah. Uh, on, you know, going to Killy because they go from Cardiff, luckily, which is close to us, but they do all around in the UK. And they're offering like free reschedule at the moment, which is fantastic. So, yeah, it's just something to think about. Um, and like I said at the moment, all 2021 trips due to go ahead. And, you know, we will communicate anything that will affect that. Um, Where in the it's the same as, as it's been for the last sort of several months. Kind of wait and see. Uh, unfortunately, Zoe, I mean, it's, I'd, I'd love to have a definitive answer for you. But I think it's very difficult to provide that during this lovely COVID chaos. Um, yeah, yes, exactly. provides a little bit of answer to your question there, mate. Um, one um, thing um, I thought was yeah. pretty interesting that Wayne's just said a really good point, Wayne Mabry here. He said the risk, uh, there's risk to everything, we agree. Um, and that's why we use, uh, you know, manage the risk by using guides, trust their decisions. But with the point that I really liked that he made in that comment there, which everyone can read, is that um, it's about being sort of honest with yourself and about how you're feeling. It's yeah. no reflection on your capabilities. Everyone reacts differently at altitude. But if you yeah. are starting to struggle and if you are perhaps feeling like the symptoms that you're experiencing are impeding you in, in any way, um, then it's time just to be open and honest with yourself and your guides and have a chat. And like I said, it's no reflection on like your performance or your fitness or anything like that. It's yeah. about making sure that you can get a positive outcome um, and not waiting until you're at the extreme end of need by like ignoring the problems and things like that, um, which exactly. we have seen people do before because they don't want to turn around. They don't want to yeah. slow down the group. They have all of these worries, so they hide things. And then when they do become apparent, and they will, um, it's too late. You know, where perhaps if they'd said something at the beginning, we could have given them medication, treatment, managed them, helped them, and they could have continued on and done the trip. Um, I actually had the very same conversation with myself um, and I spoke to Andy about it uh, when I was on Killy yeah. because I'd never taken Diamox before. And it almost started to creep in that it was a little point of pride 
you know, yeah. then every time I went to altitude, I never had it. And then yet when I was on Kilimanjaro, I definitely started to slow down to a point where yeah, you noticed, didn't you? Yeah, like normally, like I, I can, I'm not, I'm not the fastest, and I don't aim to be, but I, I have a nice pace that I keep myself going at, and I found that even maintaining that was hard. My headache was making me a bit nauseous, and then so I was like, oh, do you know what? It's about getting to the top, and it's about celebrating with my friends and bringing that, you know, that achievement back home with me. It's not about being, you know, sort of ego or arrogance and ignoring it. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I took all the help I needed, spoke with my guides, took Dymox and stuff like that, yeah. and I'm so so happy that I did because I, you know, there's a picture of me and Andy on the summit of Kilimanjaro, and perhaps there wouldn't have been. So. Yeah, exactly, mate. And you know, it's a really good point. And Wayne, I love that. I, I'm sorry, I was just reading that then, and you know, I love I love the positivity there, um, and and that really comes down to, you know, that's the the, the sort of um, how do I word it? The power of the mountains, I suppose, because you you are coming at it, and you and you have got to be honest with with yourself because everyone, every person that comes on these trips, okay, we we you know we we can offer as much advice as we can, our guides can help, but ultimately it's down to you. Um, you know, we don't hold your hand and drag you up there. It's down to you, and you, yeah. I've, but I, I, I really like um, what he said there about being honest with yourself. It's really good. Yeah, I love that. I might nab some of that word in Wayne. <laughs> um, but no, it's um, yeah. Thanks for your comment there. Um, great stuff. And right, track up the questions. But I love comments like that. Uh, always make you always make you think a little bit, don't they? Um, Jerome, actually, is, is oh, it's quite a few questions now. I'm scrolling through them. Uh, right, let's have a look, Danny. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Danny Mitchell's asked about um, yeah over the last couple of weeks been in the news uh, about uh, footage reports fires on Killy. Uh, do you know if this will affect the Killy itinerary for future trips? Um, yeah, I mean, chatting to the, the team in Tanzania, um, it's, it's not a part of the mountain that we actually use when we because we only use the Lamosho route. Um, so it won't impact uh, impact our trips whatsoever. Um, it, it's quite a, I mean, Killy is a big mountain. Um, you know, it's, it's a volcano. It's actually made up of three um, sort of domes, if you like. Uh, so it's a big mountain, and yeah, this was, I, I believe, I'm just thinking it was on the the, the east side, um, where we actually come from the west um, and basically come from what we call the western breach, uh, which is the Lamosho route. And yeah, so fortunately, it's not um, you know part of the route that we use. I think it was on a rarely used route and part of the Marangi route, I believe. Uh, but again, you know, th there's. I know it was really bad, but these things do happen, and no doubt that even that bit will recover really quickly. Um, nature does that, yeah. Uh, you know, and these sort of things have been happening for years. It's not ideal because I think it did come from a camp. I uh, think it did, yeah, yeah. Uh, according to to the news, but yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily, um, you know, there was no injuries or anything like that at all, which is great. Um, you know, and our, our staff are doing well, and I heard everyone's staff is doing well, so that's great to hear. Awesome, um, Alan. Just notice yeah. your mesh is there. I. Just want to say, I think you meant meters, not feet. Um, if your policy only covers you up to six thousand feet, <laughs> you're going to have to run back down to get the to get to meet meet the chopper. But um, yeah. also, but no, good point though about the insurance. It has to cover you up to six thousand meters. Um, yeah, that's good. Jerome asked that. Uh, Jerome asked, does the flight to Lukla need special insurance? Should I mention this to apply for altitude insurance? No, mate. Yeah, as long as it covers up to a certain amount, that's fine. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all you need is balls of steel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, 
Um, but no, we, um, we have written a, an article about that. Um, so if uh, I believe Ali might be able to drop that in, uh, is that on our knowledge center, there is an article about the insurance that you need for particular trips. Um, but again, if you use, I mean, we use True Traveler, Big Cat, Campbell Irving, just to name three, um, they could all uh, look after your, your, your high altitude insurance. Alan's jumped back in. Here he is. He's back. Yeah. Well done, Al. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, good question here from Haley Lou Brimble. She's um, had to nip off, but she's going to watch it later. So I want to make sure I answer the question for her. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't waste her time. Um, so basically, are the bridges across the rivers in Nepal still quite rough? They were in 1997. Man, I wish I was in Nepal in 97. I want to know more about that. Send me an email if you can. Um, also, uh, are the glaciers to cross on the route to EBC? And are there any dangers with these to be aware of? So the bridges, um, no, they're actually, you know, remarkably well made and maintained now. So I don't know what they were like in 97, but these ones are metal suspension bridges. Yeah. Uh, some people might find them a little bit unnerving because they are suspension bridges. They do move, but they're supposed to. Um, and they're perfectly safe. If you are a little bit afraid of heights, some of them are quite high. We recommend just cross with a guide. Let the guide know. Give me a hand across here, mate. I don't like it. And you'll be fine. But um, it's literally... You know, out of the 11 days you spend trekking, you probably spend less than 20 minutes on bridges, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a small part of the trip overall, but they are in good condition. Um, and the other question you said, the glaciers. So, yeah, you start to walk on the glacier pretty much from, it starts from Lobouche to base camp. So there are certain parts, once you, you walk along Lobouche, you leave Lobouche and it's a long flat plain, then you go up a steep hill. From that point on, really, you're kind of flirting with the edge of the glacier. And then when you walk to base camp, you are on the glacier. Um, so the only the main dangers really of walking on that glacier is slips, trips and falls, to be honest with you. There's nothing really that, you know, should happen that will cause like a, you know, a big problem. It's very rare. I mean, historically, you've had things like avalanches and you might hear a crack or see a little rumble from there and then. That's totally normal and very common. Um, but yeah, slips, trips and falls are far more likely to upend you than any other natural disaster. So yeah, at that point it's, you know, maybe have a pole quite often on the glacier. I'll trek with just one pole, um, because I like to have my hand free. So if I'm using a rock, I can hold on and put the pole down and, and get across like yeah. that. But, um, yeah, totally safe. And like the one thing we always say is remember your guides are there. They know this stuff like the back of their hand, and they will not send you into anywhere that they don't know it's safe to go. Yeah, nice, mate. Well answered. Yeah, is uh, I'm missing those glasses right now. <laughs> As you're talking, yeah, so am uh, I, mate. I can hardly see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Yeah, Usually, it's me those sort of dodgy dad jokes, mate. You're there. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, I've been locked up too long. I guess. <laughs> I know. Um, right, got a couple of ones here. Um, more about Diamox, actually. I think Jackie mentioned um, Jackie Bradley. Uh, Diamox is good for altitude fitness. Do you recommend anything in particular? And I think um, a couple of people have asked about this as well because I think Jonathan. Um, let's have a look. He's got two questions, but he's mentioned about oxygen therapy as well. So I think it's all around, you know, how to treat um, altitude. So yeah, we're going back to Diamox. Certainly helps suppress altitude symptoms uh, which you know personally my, my mind has changed over the years back in the beginning when i first went to everest base camp i was really dead against uh, a diamox really but i think that was more about i just wasn't educated around it i know now that it it's changed people's trips massively i've had family close friends we've used it uh, 
Um, that's why all our guides carry it now. It's a real tool. Dave, as you once said, uh, you know, if you've got a headache, you'll take a painkiller for it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, just to quickly, and it's it really is like that. It's it's another thing you can use. Um, I suppose the only issue with it is that yeah, it does mean that you have to pee more, so you got to drink more, uh, which is quite difficult altitude because you're already drinking loads. Um, and you know, it, it does mean that some people, which is why we always sometimes suggest to speak to your GP, can have side effects of it, can make you a little bit sick sometimes. So yeah, uh, you know, very rare occasion. But we have seen that. So, yeah, it's certainly something that you can use. You don't want to use it to mask symptoms. So, for instance, if, say, three days in and then you take Diamox and then you continue to have the issues, then that's probably not too good. Maybe we might increase the dosage because you start off with quite a small dose and then we, uh, we increase it. Um, that second question, which is around oxygen. Um, yeah, not on the trips that we do. I mean, um, in Killy, for instance, we do, we do carry some oxygen. But when it comes to Everest Base Camp, if you've got to go on oxygen, that's probably your end of your trip. As in, we if you've got to that stage, we haven't done our job properly. You know, we, we need to get you down. Um, you know, so that's it, when it comes to things like that, um, you know, the because there are, uh, you know, say if you climb in Everest and you go on oxygen, that's different. But if you go to Everest Base Camp and it comes to a stage where you need to go on oxygen, then, you know, yeah. we, we have a chat because, yeah, that's, you know, it's yeah. not good that we need to get you down. Yeah, we've never we've never had never a, that. ever trekker need to go on oxygen. I have seen one person in twenty sixteen or seventeen in Garak Shep, but they were they used the emergency oxygen whilst they were waiting for a helicopter. You know, yeah. it's a, it's at that stage where if you need to go on the oxygen, that's because we've said, okay, jigs up. We can't get you to base camp, unfortunately. It's not 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 your time. Um, we're going to get you down safely, and then if you know there's a wait for the helicopter, then we just need to keep you comfortable oxygen. But yeah, like Andy said, um, you know we're not summiting, we're not going up any peaks or anything like that. There should be no need for additional oxygen if we've acclimatized well. And yeah. the reason why we've never experienced it, but perhaps others have, is because of the emphasis we put on correct acclimatization. You know, so we really do strictly adhere to the advice of the guide and the tried and tested methods for acclimatizing. So walk slowly, gain your altitude gradually, drink plenty of water um, and look after yourself and be honest with yourself about how you're feeling. And if you yeah. do those things, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like even people, because having even altitude sickness doesn't mean the end. It means, okay, I have to manage this. Yes. You know? And <clears throat> have a conversation with your guide, and, you know, he'll know, you know, at what level of the scale you're at. And if he says you can go on, then you can go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's some really good questions around that. And definitely, um, you know, if you're asking anything around the medical side, definitely check out that when we did the Tuesday tune-in on, on specifically on medical conditions at high altitude. Um, and ones around managing it, managing your body as well. There's, there's a whole host of it there. But all of this, and I think, uh, I think it was Miko actually uh, made a good point is that, when you're altitude and maybe you're having some altitude issues, it, uh, one of the things that can happen is it can affect your decision making. Um, you know, maybe how you place your feet. It can a lot of the, it can affect a lot of those things. So it's just something to be conscious of. And again, this is this is why we go into these places. If it was easy, it wouldn't be the same. This yeah, is exactly. Challenge. Um, that's why when you do complete it, when you achieve the, that goal, whether it be summit in Killy, uh, go into Everest Base Camp, whatever it may be, uh, that's what that's what makes it all the better. Uh, in yeah, exactly. 
So, um, Diane uh, Pazakali Parker. Do we know of any medical conditions that would predispose you to suffering high altitude sickness? Um, it's one of those where there are, I suppose, there are many different things that can sort of give you a, a, a predisposition to suffering it more, but it's more, it's more around how those conditions affect you acclimatizing and how we acclimatize is by, you know, being sort of physically fit and healthy. That makes a big difference. If you have a health condition that perhaps prevents you from reaching a level of sort of physical fitness and ability that would help you, that, that can, because overexertion can certainly bring it on. Yes. Um, and I suppose if you were suffering already with a condition that lowered your oxygen levels, so maybe if you had like COPD or something like that, and yeah. you had like a, a, a lung disorder that meant you weren't absorbing as much oxygen at sea level as you should be, then when you go into a low oxygen environment, that's probably going to get exasperated. So yeah. that may affect it. Um, it's one of those things though, where it really comes down to the individual. Um, altitude really does affect people on an individual basis. It's not a blanket condition that's the same for everybody. Um, and not everyone will experience altitude the same way every time. Um, so yeah, I personally think if you do have something that lowers your blood oxygen, that is a breathing or heart disorder, then perhaps that's something that will be high on my list of things to check before you went. Other things that they're more likely to affect you, like I said, if they affect your fitness and physical strength and stuff like that, that means you might overexert yourself and then perhaps yeah. you know become exhausted and then altitude then just makes that worse. So yeah, altitude is not so, it's a strange thing. It can, it, it can be the sole cause, or altitude can just be one or two ingredients in a mix that causes problems, you know? So it, it's strange to sort of deal with, um, but it's certainly manageable, guaranteed it's manageable. Yeah, nice. Mick, Mick's um, uh, a good point there. Hey Mick, um, great to see you on here, mate. Um, you mentioned a mate of yours had a stroke uh, quite a while ago, um, wants to go in 23 to EBC. I wouldn't, um, I, I know people who've had strokes and have been to high altitude. Um, and I know that people who do spend a lot of time, like especially climbing Everest, you're know, doing the 8,000 is because you are in serious, you know, uh, the death zone. Um, that's where uh, that can increase your chances of a stroke. When you go to Everest Base Camp, it's a little bit different. Um, I probably get them to speak to a, a high altitude specialist, whether it's a GP um, or a high altitude specialist, maybe through Nomad or another, um, you know, high altitude medic, if you like, um, about that. Because, I mean, again, like I said, I mean, anyone really can do it. It's just how you acclimatize if yeah. it can affect them or bring on another stroke that might be an issue. Um, but, you know, it's worth. Um, I think Ramona's just dropped in there because she's had um, heart condition previously um, and operation. I know other people who have as well, uh, because that does affect, uh, you know, in terms of getting oxygen around your body. Um, but I'll, then again, she's she's made Everest Base Camp. And it's it's one of those things. It's uh, risk, acceptable risk and unacceptable risk. I suppose yeah. it's way what's acceptable for, for them. Um, you know, if they're like, I just want to go and do it. Um, and OK, there's going to be a little, little risk, but I'm, I'm OK with that um you know then, then that's that's that it's down to them yeah uh, but yeah so i just said alan there because he jumped in had his 72nd birthday up there exactly because i know some i think it was eileen mentioned his age a factor no not not so, not whatsoever it's all about you if you if you really want to get up there eileen you can you can do it mate. yeah exactly come on eileen yeah <laughs> um, no, sorry no. and I'm, I'm on it with the dad jokes today 
Um, yeah, Paul Dewhurst. Hey, how's it going, Paul? Uh, hope yourself and um, Nikki are all yeah. well. Um, we met on the training weekend. Um, just wanted to, is it worthwhile doing any pre-acclimatization? Pre-acclimatization is one of those things where it will, it will provide you with some benefit, um, but it's not a necessity for the trips that we do because yeah. um, we believe and we have tested and now are reassured that our trips are designed and do acclimatize you as, as you're going along. So the reason why it takes eight days to get to Everest Base Camp and only three days to come back down is because of that. We go up slowly. We have acclimatization days at key points where we go up, come back down, spend the night. Um, so yeah, it's not a uh, requirement. Um, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm kind of open to. I think, yeah, I mean, whatever you want to do to make yourself feel more comfortable, it's all about up here at the end of the day. If you're yeah. going there with peace of mind and reassurance that you've got some acclimatization, um then yeah whatever whatever that does the only thing i do say is that if you do pre-acclimatize you still have to walk slowly you still have to go with the the rest of the pace and do the mountain rules it doesn't mean that um you know you've got like an an invisibility cloak and altitude won't spot you <laughs> you know it's like you definitely still have to go through everything the same as everyone else it just might give you a little boost and a little leg up that's all yeah exactly that is Really good point, Dave. Really good point. I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, again, where we are open to this and you made a you know, good point there. We're always open to new stuff, but, you know, it's proven time and time again that it's all about the acclimatization you do, acclimatization you do on the trip, not necessarily the stuff you do before. Although, you know, because we, we, we've been chatting to, to our friends at the, the Altitude Center and, you know, there, there are certain trips that potentially there's going to be a big factor, a big difference. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, like uh, we, we've sort of uh, talked about Aconcagua which we got some dates we're probably moving over to 2022 now just because of you know the issues but the um you know it, because that's almost 7,000 meters then it has some benefit to doing some um pre-acclimatization work <clears throat> excuse me um but yeah mark made a good point mark von rossen there um again just going back to the medical stuff and you know I'm, i know i know obviously mark works in the industry and yeah we we always suggest i mean it goes about saying you know um with regards to the insurance that to come on a trip you do have to add adequate insurance so any pre-existing stuff is is um yeah make sure you do get the insurance so thanks yeah. for bringing that mark um what else we got dave we've got a, we got a few that's dropped in i think whilst whilst we're whilst you're looking for a question there just want to remind everyone if um, because i disappeared last week um i know dave uh, mentioned it as well is that we are um trying to raise some funds for our guys over in nepal so we've created, um, basically worked with Anuj, who's our sort of head of operations in Nepal, to basically uh, make these jackets, Evertrek jackets. They're yeah. very similar to the ones we actually use out there in terms of the ones we hire, but there's a little bit better uh, quality of down. And we thought, well, we know that the guys are going through some really tough times at the moment, um, especially because there's two, pretty much two seasons, two trekking seasons where there's no work. So we thought, what can we do? Uh, <laughs> We've made 200 jackets, although a few have actually gone now, um, available to, to the community. Um, I think the guys can put the link in here. Ali, if you can put the link in here. I, I bet she's like, where's the, where's the link? Um, just basically to the page. And if you grab yourself a jacket, um, they're a really nice damn jacket. Um, we do them in, in black, uh, only in black, but the um, obviously there's heaps of sizes available. On the link there, um, it will sort of say a little bit of information around delivery times. We're obviously looking to get these as soon as we can, but because they're coming yeah. from the ball, 
especially with the situation out there, we'll get them to you as soon as we can. Um, hopefully, you know, before Christmas, but we're going to get a big batch over um, with regards to those. So, yeah, the, with the jackets, um, you know, definitely uh, if you could if you could do that, all proceeds, all profits, then we'll go to the team over in Nepal um, yeah. just to support them really from now until next season, um, which is sort of February, March, uh, you know, so over winter. Um, it'd be great to see some of those jackets out there in the community. Yeah, absolutely. They are really, they are really good jackets. I mean, you've got the added benefit that they're not, they don't only sort of, you know, warm the body, they warm the heart as well, you know, because as you're walking around in the cold, you know, you've done some good for people that have done a lot of good for us and, and our customers as well. I mean, yeah. Nepal have, um, you know, they, our people over there have changed, you know, thousands of lives, including mine and Andy's and, you know, eventually every single person on here, hopefully. Um, and they're a fantastic group of people that we know have been hit very hard. So, yeah, it would be really awesome if you guys would grab a jacket and um, help the guys out. And then ultimately, then you'll be wearing it when you go over to EBC. Um, yeah. So it's an investment as well. Yeah, exactly. No, it is really cool. Um, you know, we've, I mean, we were chatting to Anuj about it and it was just something we thought would be, be quite cool to do because we've had some issues here in the UK just in, in, in sort of the website with regards to our store. It's still not there yet, which is why we haven't released it. Um, and we thought that uh, obviously coming from Nepal, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of a connection there. And obviously all the, um, you know, all the profits, um, you know, go straight to the guys. So, yeah, uh, I can't can't wait to see those jackets out there. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was Diane actually mentioned about obviously I know the, the jackets are vegan. We are quite limited because although, you know, if we had a whole store of different things, we'd probably be able to offer different options. But we're quite limited because this is just just basically like a fundraiser. So it's not like we're creating an equipment store out in Nepal. It's really just, you know, I'd love to say they're vegan jackets, but because of the limitations we've got over in Nepal, it's very challenging to create any others. Um, yeah. For but um, yeah, so sorry about that, Diane. I know you. I know you'd love if we had if we had a, a vegan down jacket. We'd love to to send you one um, because I know you're you're a great part of the the community. So yeah, any, anything else? We'll definitely try and update you. Uh, but yeah, Dave. Any other questions? Because I know we've had quite a few. It's yeah, we, we, uh, there, are, there are a few knocking around that I think we um, that we can get. So Mark Reynolds has said, "Hey guys, do you come, yeah. do you come across any wilder animals?" Um, yeah. Again, I suppose that can come under how dangerous is trekking at uh, high altitude. Um, weirdly, like in most places of the world, the the things that kill you the most are the really really tiny things. So make sure you take your malaria tablets if you go into like um, Kilimanjaro or Africa or anywhere where malaria is prevalent. Yeah. Um, with Nepal, in the Everest region of Nepal, there are known to be snow leopards, but you won't see them. Um, you could be 50 yards from them and they're so well camouflaged, but they tend to stay away from the trails. They're very shy and reclusive animals. So yeah. the biggest threat then that you've got is um, like yaks, <laughs> you know, and jupke and mules and horses and things like that. So... Again, your guide will help you with those. Don't cross a bridge if they're coming across because they won't stop and wait for you. <laughs> you know. And if you do come across a yak train or anything like that, make sure that you're against the side of the mountain and not the side of the cliff. Um, but yeah, other than that, no, you don't really see that many. You're really at high altitude. So um, yeah, in, in Africa, in Tanzania, you'll see monkeys and things like that in the jungle area. And as soon as you get high, you just see the high altitude, these sort of crows or ravens. Um, I saw a ground squirrel once on my way to base camp. Um, haven't seen a red panda, although apparently they're in the region as well. Seen a couple of deers. Oh, the musk deer with the fangs. Yeah, musk deer, yeah with the fangs. They're quite interesting. Um, yeah. Actually, really, really cool. 
because uh, I, I we got we got some on video. I think it was Steve back in 2018 um, saw some, and some of them I think um, were actually I, I don't know if we if we all seen uh, was it Planet Earth two, and you've got those uh, those goats that are on the literally the steepest cliff, and you're like how the hell do they stay there? Um, some of the musk deer are actually doing that as well, and I was thinking how the hell are they there? Literally yeah. on like a cliff face. An amazing little deer as well. It's like a vampire cross with a deer. It's strange. It's got the big yeah. patterns down there. They are very weird. Uh, what does that taste like? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never eaten it. Um, to be honest, most of the time, I've been told that most of the time where you see yak on a menu, it's not actually yak. Yeah. It's most likely buffalo. buffalo. Um, yeah, so most of the steaks and stuff there is all going to be pretty much buffalo because, um, you know, Nepal is, is largely a Hindu country. You're not going to be in. Sorry. Just a cat just to try to attack me. Um, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> they allow cats in prison, Dave? I didn't realise that. Yeah, he's... Um, sorry, sorry. He was attacking my feet. <laughs> yeah, he's my... Um, yeah, he's my, he's my little cellmate at the moment. <laughs> but uh, he's Cooper, uh, Lauren's cat. He's, um, yeah, he's here for a bit. But, um, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, what vampire deer, Jerome? Yeah, seriously, look it up. Musk deer, mate. They're awesome. Um, yeah, no, I haven't eaten really cool. It's um, buffalo. And mainly when you're on the trail as well, you want to be vegetarian. So no meat products at all from Lukla to Lukla. Maybe Namshi on the way down, you can squeeze in a little bit of meat if you want, because you only got one day then if you have an upset stomach to kind of put up with. Um, but I always remember Barry and when we were there and we said, our recommendation, obviously you're all adults, but don't eat meat, don't drink alcohol. <laughs> End of day one, I saw him cracking open a can of beer and having a chicken burger. He really enjoyed his helicopter ride back down as well. He said it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a uh, great guy, great guy. But um, yeah, it was uh, probably not the best to start that way. But uh, uh, Julie's asking, can you see him? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, if you can chase him down, Dave. And Paul's always going. Uh, he said cats always go for vermin. Good point. Good point, Paul. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, a couple of questions about the jackets. I'm just seeing coming in now in terms of like how much down goes in, size guide, things like that. So it's um, because this is a fundraiser, we haven't obviously. I know if you go into a technical store, you'll have exact size guides and, and, and exactly how much down. We haven't really got that information, to be honest. I, and I hate to be so useless with that, but they, the, the, they are European and UK sizes. So, for instance, if it's a medium, it'd be the same as a medium jacket you get here in the UK. Um, so we've got some things that we can tell the guys in the pool to do. But again, because we're trying to a nice cat, Dave, yeah. uh, it does look like Lauren's cat. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, it definitely is. Lauren's probably going to be really happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, because uh, Dave is looking after Lauren's cat this week. Um, but yeah, with the uh, with the jackets, they are, um, I, I believe, it's about seven, seven fifty down as in downfill um so basically that means it's it's fine if you go into like everest base camp uh they'll be perfect because these are the ones we use on our trips um so definitely um you know if, you, if you're thinking okay is this jacket going to be good enough for the trips i'm going on then yes uh that's why we're doing it because we thought you know um if, if you're looking at a jacket and you want one for this winter then maybe this could this could be useful yeah uh, so we thought yeah uh we could we can put it out there so i hope that answers your question a little bit so, like I said, just to clarify, if you are looking at, say, a medium jacket or a large jacket, it would be the same as if you had a large jacket or a medium jacket here in the UK. All yeah. right. Um, also, I will say, Ramona, <laughs> Ramona, this is not my cat. 
No. <laughs> very good coming from Ramona. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I, I, sorry, private joke there, but uh, very good. Yeah. Um, anyone, anyone that follows Ramona on Facebook will see that she is a um, is crazy cat lady too much because you. I think you only got one, but definitely, definitely. Ramona won't mind. Definitely a cat lady. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, right. Well, look, we're coming towards the hour here, but uh, yeah, Mike, uh, Michael Gillies there. Hey, Mike, great, great to see you on here, mate. Um, early Christmas present. Bang on. You got it, Mike. If uh, if you want to grab yourself one, um, obviously we'll get it over to you before Christmas. Um, but yeah, Dave, anything else before we finish? Uh, I think that's it, mate. I think, um, I, yeah, I, think I, I think I'm pretty good. I think most of the talk now is about the, about the cat. Sorry, great <laughs> cat lassie. Yeah, I forgot. Um, you're Irish. So, um, yeah, is that uh, an Irish accent, Dave? I, I do you know what it was one of those. <laughs> I was like, no, but I can't, <laughs> I can't do it justice. That's all right. Um, um, yeah. So that kind of makes me kind Here of. Here we go. Diane's a crazy cat lady. There we go. At least we got one. Yeah. <laughs> wow, eight. Wow, that is a lot. That is a lot. Who's got eight? Diane. Diane, that's amazing. Uh, I had, uh, I think, about eight at one point um so yeah it was awesome yeah we loved it um ah ramona do you watch father ted i need to get a t-shirt not a racist <laughs> <laughs> um great stuff namaste where's my namaste ah there we go namaste i should have used this in the beginning um but they actually in nepal you can say namaste to say goodbye to so yeah oh janet your first tuesday tune in where have you been for 32 oh, wow. weeks um, but yeah, you've got like 32, 33 weeks to catch up on of this nonsense. That's but, a lot uh, of me and you talking. So yeah, good luck, Janet. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just drop us a message. We're happy to answer any questions. Yeah. Um, at all. But uh, yeah, great stuff, guys. I can see that uh, clearly we've gone from uh, the dangers of trekking a high altitude to the dangers of owning a cat. Um, so. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Some great comments on there. Um, yeah, cats eat your soul while you sleep. That's what you was coughing up. Really. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. No soul left, Dave. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah as Mark says, adios, guys. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, yeah, see you next Tuesday. All the best, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate thanks now if uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast um you know all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review um and yeah we'll see you again next week yeah all the best guys bye <laughs>